Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We're off tomorrow. Remember last uh, episode when you said you wouldn't sing publicly? Yeah. That was you, just singing. I know. (laughs) I thought I would give you a whole inspiration. (laughs) I do like to sing random things like that out of nowhere, but you know. We do eventually have to get a guest back on. I know. I know. Everyone keeps messaging us like, do you do, you know, virtual? And I keep saying no well I, I mean I keep saying nothing actually and not responding back but <laughs> I respond I was like like we've been getting messages during quarantine hey we have yeah. so and so for a guest and I was like well we just do our guests in person only and they're like even during quarantine and then that would make me mad so I was like yes and now you're never going to be a guest <laughs> for saying that Susie White so I'm like sorry if you know you know but now we're open so we'll start having people come to the crib or something I don't know yeah I think we will <laughs> um Speaking of guests, we um, are recording this on Saturday after a week of um, some chaos and uh, a lot of talk around racism and George Floyd's death at the hands of a cop and all of the things and the protests that are going on. Uh, And while we don't want to do a whole episode on it right now, we want to get some people in who are experts uh, in social justice. Uh, We wanted to just share with you guys where we're at with this, just so you know where we stand. I think this is really important, especially as someone, you know, even Danny and I who have, you know, small audiences, I think it's important that you guys, or at least for me, it's important that you know where we stand on this, just so that there's no confusion. Um, we had someone in our DMs yesterday actually say, you know, hey, because you guys have a platform, you know, what are you doing to educate yourself on race? And I thought this is, you know, I just, I appreciated it so much that this woman had the, uh, you know, time and mental space to reach out and even care about this. And she said she's listened to the podcast. And I know a lot of you guys might be wondering, and maybe you're not wondering, and that's okay too. Um, but just so you know, and we're clear, Danny and I both are committed and I don't want to speak for you, so maybe if you have something different you want to say. Um, I know for me, I'm I'm committed to learning and educating myself on my implicit bias and also acknowledging my privilege and doing what I can to dismantle it at a systemic level. Um, and, you know, that's not like a soundbite. And Dan and I have had many, many conversations about social justice over the last several years. And yep. because things are kind of coming up a little bit more publicly this week, you know, it's something that we wanted to share with you guys, maybe some of the behind the scenes of the conversations that we have and some of the things that we have been doing and want to continue to be doing and not in like a way that we're, you know, white exceptionalists or <laughs> any special, but I think it's important that you guys know that, you know, those kinds of conversations might be happening here. So if you are someone who is, you don't even like hearing the word white privilege, or you don't like hearing the word white supremacy, you know, we don't really feel threatened by those words because they're very real, at least in our mind. And I don't want to speak for you. So you can tell me if you (laughs) don't want me to, she's like nodding along. So I just want to make sure. Um, So you know, those things will come up. And if, you know, you can't even hear those words without getting really triggered or feeling really threatened, 
I don't know what to tell you, except I can give you my experience, especially when starting to learn more about white privilege and learn more about uh, white supremacy and, and the ways in which that we benefit as white women in this space. To me, learning is always powerful. And to me, it's been the most empowering part of this whole process. And if you guys are here, you know that Danny and I are lifelong learners. We talk all the time about books we read, studies we read, people we follow. Like, So this should not come to us as a surprise to you that this is something that we are interested in learning about and, and learning our blind spots just as much as we would do with anything else in our life in terms of business or relationships or personal development. Look, if I have some bullshit that I don't know about, like that's important for me to uncover. And I think it is for Danny too. And so just so you guys know, like we are going to be doing um, our own, continuing to do our own education, our own research. And if something is applicable, we might mention it on the podcast. So just, I want you guys to know it's really important that if you're here, whether you are a person of color or or not, that you know that this is an important issue to us. And we do want to continue to take the steps that we can and really do take action, not just like say that we're like, you know, uh, anti-racist or we're trying to do things that are anti-racist. We really do want to bring in more people who can not only speak on social justice, because we're obviously not experts in that, but also be more inclusive with people of color who are doing amazing work. And so, and not like in a tokenism way, but in a way that's like just real and genuine and, and over the long haul. So it's not just like a flash in the pan. It's something that we're both committed to and doing in a way that is super open, super honest with you guys um, about where we're coming from and not again, like not in like this white savior way or white exceptionalism way, but just to open that conversation. So you guys know that that's where we're at with things. And if that's not cool with you, then, you know, unfortunately, you know, I invite you to maybe not listen to the podcast if that's really offensive to you. But I would also, and not, I'm not trying to be, you know, kind of self-righteous, but ask yourself why it feels so threatening. Like it really shouldn't really feel that threatening. It should feel like something kind of interesting that you get to learn. At least that's how I see it. And the more I learn about my privilege and the more I learn about uh, systemic racism, the more empowered I feel to potentially help dismantle it and unlearn a lot of the frank, you know, implicit bias that I grew up with. So anyway, if you're getting triggered or you get triggered by this conversation, maybe just ask yourself, because to me, this really is, and we were talking about it earlier today, like at the core of this, it's personal development. It starts with us uncovering our own implicit biases and then figuring out ways to continue to uncover some of those things in our communities. And so, you know, we want you guys to just know where we stand on that. It's important whether or not you agree, it's important to, to us that we state this. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, I think um, if you've been following The Best Life for any amount of time, a conversation that comes up over and over is having hard conversations. And so I think we're known for that. And I hope that, you know, as a listener, whether you're new or you've been listening for a long time, you know that Jill and I don't steer away from hard conversations. And just to Jill's credit, this has not been a convert. This has been a conversation between her and I for, like she said, for years. And we've actually had some, um, uh, some particular guests that we've been wanting to have on the show that we haven't yet. Probably part of the reason is because we always want to do it in person and, um, hmm. schedules don't always work out. So if we have conversations about this in the future, it is not just because this happened with George Floyd. This has actually been in the works for a while. And, you know, this, this week has been a tough week for a lot of people, especially people in the black community. And I've had conversations with clients and conversations with friends. And, you know, we've been, Jeff and I have been living with a black family for the past three months um, during quarantine. And so I can see how it, it's hitting the black community hard. And so we're heartbroken and stand with you. And we, it, racism, we don't stand for that here. Like this isn't, 
um, it's just not okay. It's not okay. And so we want to make sure that that's known. And at the same time, Jill and I understand that we don't know in all the ways in which we may be doing something wrong. Um, and so we're committed to learning and to being better. And we just hope that everyone listening here is as, as well and to learn with us and to have the hard conversations, um, whether it's you know, with friends or, you know, listening through this or doing your own reading or doing your own research and we'll provide resources as mm -hmm. we find. But, you know, even DMing us and just asking yep. the asking those questions, we've had those um, conversations with people and we're glad, you know, if we, if you confront us with something, we're ready to talk about it. We want to. So we're, and you know, we've had people even message us saying like, we need to, un I need to unfollow you. And we're like, great, do what you need to do for you. So we understand all sides, but we don't want to shy away from hard things here. And I think of all the years of doing this podcast, that's been a big theme is having hard conversations. How does that look? And so we are willing to do that with you. And we hope you're willing to do that with us as well. And this isn't, again, just to point out, not just because this happened. This has honestly been a conversation between Jill and I probably since 2017, I want to say even before. And so we'll continue to bring it up. And yeah, I think it's important. I think we've done a relatively um, good job of having diverse guests and uh, we want to continue to do that and always just support. I mean, women I love to support who are doing a great job, but in general, um, we want to also continue to support and lift up voices in, of uh, people of color. And so we'll continue to do that and continue to try and get better. So, yep. So today and open wanna, to your feedback, yeah. you guys. So again, just DM us or, you know, send us an email info at thebestlifepodcast.com. We're willing to have that conversation. If you know of an amazing guest who is doing incredible work, we'd love to, you know, we'll add them to the list because we have a really awesome list of guests that we do want to have on in the future. So uh, that's it. Do you have yeah. anything else? No. I mean, I mean, the topic of what we're going to, yeah, what so, we're going to talk about, <laughs> so, but you guys have been asking us for resources pr privately, you know, and I think that's, you know, and again, we don't have all the answers and we're certainly not experts in social justice, but we will share with you guys what we have been reading, what we've been, uh, you know, exposed to and things like that. So feel free to message us about that stuff. Yep. And I will, can I just say the, the, the I know you didn't see it yet. 13, 13th, I think it's called this uh, documentary on Netflix called 13. I want to say it's 13th or 13. I don't know. But if you haven't seen that, take a look because it's, it's very eye-opening about some history. So anyway, so today's topic we want to talk about is can people change? Yep. This is a big one. That people can ask. people change? Should they change? Do you, when yeah. do you leave if they can't change? I remember always hearing um, the little adage, once a cheater, always a cheater. Or a tiger can't change his stripes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's that question like, is that true? Once a cheater, always a cheater. In one mm -hmm. of the um, private groups I'm in, somebody posted, hey, if you found out someone cheated on their ex, would you date them? And all these people are like, no, no, no. Although I guarantee some of the people in there who said no were have yeah. already. So there is a question like, can people change? Is that true? Once a cheater, always a cheater. Can people change? Yeah. I mean, or do we just Susie White them? Yeah. If you, if you guys listen to that episode on holding grudges, yeah, I'm not going to be the bigger person. You know, I think that this is a nuanced thing and um, there's a couple of different ways that we can take this conversation. I personally just like to cut to the chase. I do believe people can change. 
if they want to. I don't think that people can change because you tell them to change. Mm. And I think in relationships, I think that's one of the hardest things is realizing there's something about your partner that you really either want to be different or, you know, especially for like, at least, you know, for women in general, I think this is a generalization. I think oftentimes we're like, if he could just do this one thing differently, or if my partner could just do this one thing differently, it would be perfect. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we can communicate that, but I don't always know that it's possible to change. And even like for me, you know, I know there were things that Jade really wanted to me for me to be different. And as much as even I wanted to be different in the way that would help him enjoy the situation more. I just found myself, I couldn't do it, you know? And so I do believe that people can change. I'm a big, huge fan of uh, second chances. And so I'm interested in for you, like, is, are you open to second chances, third chances? When do you decide that someone just can't change and you got to move on? Yeah. I, I believe people can change only a big thing is because I, feel like I have myself Mm -hmm. and I've seen that in my family. Um, you know, growing up, my dad had a gambling addiction and while I think he still struggles, you know, he had a big shift and I saw that my mom gave him a second chance. So if you guys don't know, my parents were divorced when I was eight years old and then they got remarried to each other when I was 11. So they were divorced for three years and, you know, he flipped things around, said he could do better. And yeah, he had some relapses throughout the years, but I think he really did change for the most part. And so I feel like growing up that way, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was taught to give second chances, but it was modeled to give second chances. So I wanted to believe that people could change. However, I've seen that a lot of women, maybe like me, give second, give too many chances, mm. fourth, fifth, sixth chances to where we believe so much that someone could change that we end up hurting ourselves because we're just like, they can do better. They can do better. And so one thing I learned getting out of my marriage was Something I do, and I think this is a blessing and a curse, is I really see the potential in people and I see the best in people. And there were a lot of things about my ex that I wished he had been different and maybe I hoped he had been or maybe even subconsciously tried to sabotage him into being who I wanted him to be. And I learned in dating that I needed to be in love with or be okay with people as they were, not who they could be. Mm. And so I realized that, you know, I would date people and I'm like, wow, you know, in five years, they're going to be great or (laughs) they're like, they'll be really successful. But right now I don't know. And so I had to really stop myself from doing that and go and really ask myself, do I like this person right now as they are? If they never changed, could I handle this relationship? And that shifted a lot for me because I really do tend to look for people, their, their potential and who they could be. And that's a gift, I think as a coach maybe, but not necessarily in a relationship because ultimately if they don't, then you are the one stuck feeling bad. And, um, and I don't think you can change people. Like you said, you can't make them, you can't make someone change. They have to want to do it themselves. Right. I love that you said that. And I, I completely agree. I think, you know, first, I think probably what both of us would say is, okay, if there's something you want them to change and you're like, I love that. And I have that same lesson, which is I have to actually like who they are right now. And that's always been like kind of tough. But I always go back to Byron Katie's work about like just loving what is and going, okay, like the end of the day, I believe that we have to figure out what our non-negotiables are in in any relationship. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before is going like, okay, I think Mark Manson says like, pick what, what type of olive you want on your shit sandwich. It's like, okay, not anyone. And here's the thing I always go back to. I don't want to date myself. 
I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's exactly like me. It was funny. I remember when uh, Keith and I first started dating, we're so different in so many ways. And I remember just like kind of being perplexed by that. And we're like lying in bed one night and I just go, do you just think it's so weird that we're together? And he goes, no, but with that question, it sounds like you do. (laughs) And I was like, well, I just mean we're so different. And he goes, well, you don't want to date someone who's exactly like you, do you? And I was like, no. And so it's been good because I really have had to get more discerning. I'll catch myself being like, well, I wish he was like this, or I wish he could do this. And it's like, it's missing out on the ways that they are great. And also like, what are your non-negotiables? Not everything can be a non-negotiable. You can't have, it's just like eating, right? Like if you're gonna try and eat perfectly, you have to have like three main things that you're willing to commit to, not 20 fucking nutrition rules. Same thing in a relationship. There can't be 20 check boxes that he needs to get to. It's like, cool, what are the like couple things that you're really gonna double down on? And can you figure out, I mean, for lack of a better word, a workaround for the other things or a way to deal with them? And so, you know, Byron Katie tells the story in uh, Loving What Is about her kids never picking up their socks. And she was like, I would hound them and be like, pick up your socks, pick up your socks. Like just constantly like, I'd get mad, I'd get infuriated. Why aren't you picking? You must not love me if you don't pick up your socks, right? We make all these things mean 10 other things. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, she just was like, fuck it. I'm just picking up the socks. Yep. You know, so it's like, can you deal with the thing that you want them to be? And if it is a non-negotiable for you, then that might be an indication that you should leave. But you need to get discerning because it can't be everything. And plus, you don't want to date someone or be with someone who's exactly like you. I don't. Yep. That leaves the spice out. Yeah, it's uh, the sock that the socks thing that you brought up. I remember that in Byron Katie. Yeah. And this actually happened recently during quarantine, since I haven't really um, like lived with Jeff in one spot. So since we're always moving, and he his dishes, like he'd leave them out, leave them out, and I start I found myself starting to get resentful for a minute, mm-hmm. and then I realized that the amount of time it took for me to be like, hey, come put your dishes away, it could take me half a second less just to put it in the sink myself. Mm -hmm. Then I started going, you know what? He's doing 90% of the cooking. So why am I going to bitch if he's going to leave the dish out? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do the dishes and put them away. And, and then it's like back to non-negotiables. Is my non-negotiable a loving, caring partner or is my non-negotiable a clean, tidy, you know, partner? And I think there's a lot of things we want people to change, but like personality change, Mm. I think is a much different one than behavior change. And so I think that behavior change is probably easier um, yeah, there's like positive affirmation sure. and like NLP and shit you can do. Yeah. <laughs> but personality wise, that's going to be something that, um, you know, I, I think I was just kind of Googling some things before we started this and there's some like across the, uh, the board, there's a little bit differing opinions, but you can change a personality, but let's say someone with a personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, like it's going to be really, really difficult. They're going to have to do some major cognitive behavioral therapies or things like that to change a personality. So if you're relationship with this person and this could be not even your partner this could be your parent because there mm-hmm. I've that's been one that I've struggled with it could be a co-worker but if it is a personality thing it is unlikely that's not going to change so back to Jill's point like what's a workaround how can you deal with it if they're going to be in your life let's say it is a boss or a parent or a sibling or something they're probably not going to change their personality um, and also there's probably no incentive to do so, then how can you work around that? And I was going to actually back to the incentive is I think people can change and they, I think they're willing to, but there does have to be incentive. So if a part, let's say cheater is always a cheater. If, um, someone cheats and they really like, they really feel like they really made a mistake and they're going to lose out on you. Like you're going to leave and they feel so remorseful and they realize they're going to leave and maybe that flips the switch and they're like, wow, I can't believe I almost lost something. 
But if they realize they can maybe say something to you to calm you down and you're going to stay, then maybe there's no incentive for them to actually change. It's like, oh, she's not going anywhere anyway. Like I can actually have my cake and eat it too. So I think there has to be um, an incentive and an internal incentive, yeah. an internal incentive. So <laughs> I wanted to talk about my, um, I stopped drinking for 40 days and mostly because I was drinking it a lot and I was like, well, we're doing quarantine. I don't know. This is maybe the best time because I'm not being super social. Also the worst time because there's nothing else to do. Um, but I stopped drinking for 40 days. And after the 40 days, Jill's like, are you drinking it? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> there was nothing, there was no incentive for me to keep, I didn't lose any weight. I didn't get up earlier. I didn't sleep better. I didn't have any positive benefits of not drinking. So for me, it was like, there was no incentive for me to continue staying sober. <laughs> and so I feel like no matter what it is, like same thing with exercising, you could see why people quit the gym. Totally. If they're working out consistently, they're eating super strict, they're not seeing any results. There's no incentive for them to keep going down that route. Yeah. So we have to have some kind of incentives to make permanent lasting changes, or it just feels like we're defeated. And what's the point? Yeah, no, totally. I want to give a couple examples. Um, as you guys know, my ex-husband Jade did a complete 180. I mean, he's still very similar to the person that he was like, he's, he's just a genius and he's like, just his brain didn't change, but his relationship to honesty and integrity changed. And it wasn't because he lost me and it wasn't because he like lost his, you know, love or anything. It was literally because he had this moment, uh, this like aha moment of like, I'm not the person that I say that I am. There's incongruence. Like I'm supposedly this person who is a, like, if you'd ask me, I'm honest, I'm in my integrity, I'm whatever. And he came to face to face with the fact that he was acting like a coward and he was dishonest and he was a liar and he was all these things. And he had that moment. And I think this is really rare. I think very, like very, I think this is fairly rare, but it took all of those things for him to just be like, I don't like who I'm being. And I want to have a commitment to honesty, which is honestly the reason why we can be so close now. So when people ask me like, oh, I can't believe you're still friends with your ex. He cheated. I'm like, okay, but, and this is the crux of it to me is looking at their actions now. Look at that person's actions now and ask yourself if you have someone in your life who you're constantly projecting who they were five years ago or who they were as a kid. If you have a sibling and you're still treating your sibling like they're like a nine-year-old and they're teasing you when you're six, I mean, sorry, but we're grown ass people. Like who are they now? Honor that person now. To me at the end of the day, it really, really comes down more to actions than words. So if you have someone in your life who's like, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change, and then just look at their actions and you too, right? If you're constantly saying that you're committed to something and you keep not doing it, then you have to think about that too. I think it does come down to actions and I think that that's an example. And I wanted to give this other example about how I had um, a relationship with my parents in my early twenties. And I've told this story maybe a couple of times, but they really were more traditionally minded and wanted me to go to uh, physical therapy school after I graduated with a degree in exercise science. And um, I was kind of gung ho as a default. I was like, okay, I got my degree in exercise science. You know, they didn't exactly want me to be like a gym teacher or a personal trainer, which is kind of what I was doing. And, um, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely go to grad school for sure. Like it's going to be more respectable or whatever that looks like. And this was right around when I like got a full-time job in fitness and I was making better money and I was starting to do fitness competitions. And I remember they kept like calling me all the time. Hey, did you apply to grad school? Hey, did you take the GRE? Like kept hounding me. And I just stopped answering because I felt like they were trying to control me. I was like, oh my God, they're trying to talk to me and I don't want to talk to them. And I was dodging their phone calls for like probably three or four months, just not answering their phone calls, trying to dodge them. 
And I remember I had a conversation with Jay at the time and I was about 24 years old and he was like, well, instead of thinking like they're trying to control you, maybe could you act like they're supportive? And I was like, but they're not supportive, right? Like it was just like, I was such this, I always had, I had in my mind that they were trying to control me and that was the narrative. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can try something different. So meanwhile, they didn't change at all, but I started seeing them in a different way. So instead of focusing on the ways in which I thought they were trying to control me, I started focusing on the ways in which they did support me, even if it wasn't in the way that I wanted to be supported. So if they, you know, called me or, you know, they did help me through college, like financially. So I'd be like, okay. So next time I talked to them, I picked up the phone and I was like, you know, I haven't really shared this with you guys, but I just really appreciate, you know, you helping me through school. And that was such a big deal. And I couldn't have done it without you. And I started just being more like, appreciative and saying stuff like I couldn't be doing this out with you you know which I mean I guess I could have technically but I would say like you know I just love how you guys are so supportive even if I didn't feel like they were supportive I was mm-hmm. saying stuff like I love that you guys are so supportive and it means your support means the most to me and you guys within six months they started treating me so differently Instead of being like, yeah, we support you. They were like, what else can we do? It was literally like they were sending me cards. They were like, my mom was like, should I come to your fitness competition? Like they totally started getting on board with stuff because I stopped needing the approval and just started already treating them in the way that like I wanted to be treated. And so, I mean, I guess it's a little NLP-ish. But at the end of the day, I think there is some positive affirmation. If people are going to change at all, it needs to come from a positive place. I don't think anyone changes if you're just being like, you need to change, you need to change, you need to change. I mean, in fact, most people would run the other way. Yeah. Uh, both of those could go, we could go so deep in like the first, the first one you said about watching people's actions. So huge. I've seen, you know, so many times, um, you know, someone makes a mistake and then they continually get punished for the mistake for Mm. years and years and years. And they have made a change and that's unfair. You know, it's like, okay, then at that point, you're just kind of like, why do I bother? And so you have to check yourself. Like, am I willing to forgive and move on and and really look at the actual behavior? Mm. I definitely know, you know, back to, you know, my dad being a gambler, um, my parents got remarried and there were times my mom was still, it was almost like she didn't treat him as if he had changed. And so he was constantly getting in trouble for stuff that he didn't do because he had in the past. Mm. And it's hard because I, I understand that if you, if someone has created trauma in your life and, and hurt you, You're on it's, guard. it's hard to let that go. So you have to really f- work on your stuff and then really look at the, their behavior um, over their words. And I know you told me that during while, uh, mm. while I was separated and when I was talking to my ex and he had, he's, you know, he's saying all the right things, but the behavior was not congruent with what he was saying. And so that was a big piece. So looking at the behavior versus the words. And then in the flip side of trying to help someone, encourage someone to change, because we know we can't make them change, is affirming that behavior, affirming the behavior that you want or encouraging it and not in a um, patronizing (laughs) way. It's a a thin line. Oh yeah. Or a manipulative way. Cause you know, we've all done that too and, and have had it done maybe sometimes, (laughs) Um, but in a genuine way or in, um, you know, just as best as you can and, and also understanding, and this is how you'll know the difference. I think if you, like if Jill was saying, thank you for supporting me and they still were being the way they were, she, then it would be like, I've been thanking you for supporting me and you're not, (laughs) you're not acting like you are. So, you know, if you have like ulterior motives and you're, you're using it and if they haven't changed, you flip on them. Like, but I said you were doing good and you're, you know, (laughs) so I think it's important to check your motives and, um, and, and also like 
look at the stories you're telling yourself. Yep. Is it true? Because sometimes we do make up stories and they're not always the truth. We think it is because we think we know people better than maybe they well, know Well, one of the questions that you and I always get, and this goes to that, which is people constantly DM us, how do you trust in your relationship when you were... Um, you know, betrayed in your last relationship. And I always maintain the same thing. To me, it would be a complete disservice to project all of that onto my new partner. So I look at their actions, you know, and it's hard, like it's super hard, but like, we don't want to be on guard all the time either. So all we can really do is look at someone's actions and take those at face value. I love that you mentioned like the patronizing because we have, we have a friend who she um, is in a relationship And oftentimes she does have complaints about her boyfriend. And so, and I told her, I said, look, you need to pick and choose your battles. Like, okay, which ones do you just, and so she knows which ones they are and then she'll bring him up and then he'll start doing the thing that she asked. And then she'll text him back and say, thanks so much for doing that. It means the most to me. You don't know how much it means to me when you do that. And then, so she texted me and she sends me a screenshot and she goes, you know, he did the thing and you know, I'm just affirming the behavior. And I was like, yo, this is over the fucking top, <laughs> like way over the top. You know, you just have, you have to affirm, but not be like suspiciously right. affirming. Like we can all tell when someone's blowing smoke. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> No, I think there's something for... Thank you for thanking me. <laughs> Thank you for thanking me. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to note when you're like trying to manipulate someone versus actually encouraging. And at the end of the behavior. day, like I can speak to this about Keith, especially like I think he just sometimes doesn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes, especially as women, we like don't want to be a nag. So like, I think we don't want to bring stuff up if we want things changed because we're like, well, I don't want to be a nag. Like that's always a big thing in the back of my mind. So I'll pick and choose my battles. And when I do bring them up, um, he course corrects really fast and not like in a way that's like, you know, it's like real, you know? So that's why I'm like, okay, he just didn't know. So oftentimes I think it's, I think you do need to communicate it even when you're scared to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a trap to be like, he should just know, right? Our partners aren't mind readers. Our family members aren't mind readers. It's important that you bring it up in like a really just calm and neutral an objective way, you know, don't wait until you're like in that, the height of like resentment to bring it. Um, I think you bring it up in a way that feels like, okay, like calm and like, Hey, in a way that's like, this is important to me. How can I help you do better with this even? Like, how can I make it easier for you? Because this is really important to me and not everything's important to me, but this is one of them. And, you know, I've brought several things up to Keith, not like a ton, but I probably say over the last two years, I've probably brought up, I don't know, maybe like five or six things that are really important to me. And so, and he always like tries to do his best, you know, and then we just let the chips fall yeah. and see how it goes. It's gotten a lot better. Yeah, we do. We do need to bring it up to, cause I, I've definitely it. said, I've definitely thought many times, like he should just know, he should just, or know. She should just know. And yeah. it's like, how could they, how, and then you're They're like, Oh, they didn't know. Okay. <laughs> um, and it wasn't intentional. Sometimes we think people are intentionally doing stuff to just bug us. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know that bugged you so badly. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to say, just cause it made me think I'd, um, you know, we've had different conversations and we had Sohi Lee on the podcast and, um, we've talked about narcissism and, and abuse. And I will say this, if this is my opinion, I'm not going to put my words in your mouth, but I think when it comes to uh, abuse, if someone physically abuses you, for me, I still believe people could change, but I personally wouldn't give that multiple chances. Mm. I'd be like, cool, this is not for me. And maybe they could change for their next girlfriend, but 
I just, uh, you know, I'm domestic violence is, I, you know, family members have been hurt. I had a aunt who was so lucky to not be killed after multiple times and hospitalizations and jaws broken. And, um, from women that I've spoken to who've been in abusive relationships, it just every single time they said it just would get worse and worse. And so I don't know if it's like one time you're out, but definitely after two, it's like, okay, that's not, yep. And I just feel like there's something that yes, people can change. And that's again, back to like, we can hurt ourselves by believing that people can change too much and just realizing that, you know, you can, you deserve better and Mm. you don't, you don't have to stick around with someone who, even if you can see the good sides of them, even if you can see all that, it's like, that's not worth your life or for you to get beat down because you're trying to give someone a second chance. And so that's one part where I would say, yeah, I believe in second chances. I believe people can change, but also they don't have to change with you. They can change and move on to be better for someone else right? and save yourself and find the person who doesn't need to go through that and change in that way. Yeah. I think it was Nagar who we had on who she talked about the breadcrumb diet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've talked about that before. Like oftentimes we can overlook some of the things that we don't appreciate because we're like, well, they do this, this, and this. And so I think that's okay too, to like really just, I think oftentimes we only look at the things that the person is maybe not doing. So maybe switch your mindset into more gratitude based, like, well, they do do this. And like, yes, like you said, like with Jeff, you know, but he does like do all the cooking. So it's like, oh yeah. Like you have, sometimes we have to remind ourselves mm-hmm. of all the things about our partner, or about the person in our life that like is so amazing. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. They live their talks on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like looking at all the great things too. So I think that's important to take care of. But if you are on a breadcrumb diet where you feel like you're constantly, constantly not getting your needs met, but you're given just enough to stay there, you know, like Danny said, it's not a quick fix, especially if you love the person. It's so hard to just be like, well, that's the third time. I guess I'm leaving now. Like it's so much more complicated than that. Um, but I forget what the phrase is. I think like two times is a coincidence, third times the pattern mm-hmm. something. So it's like, yeah, I mean, this is a pattern. And I think to your point about, well, the, maybe they'll like be the next better version of themselves for the next person. Sometimes that can really crush us too. For sure. For sure. I remember, I mean, we had this conversation too with my ex. I was like, oh, he's going to be so much better for the next person. And it's like, well, now I just am like, fine. That's what I was going to say. Like yeah. the irony is, and I know for yeah. a fact that Jade is a quote better person. I am too, by the way. Yeah. But like, I know that he's like just the most like stand up, integrous, <laughs> honest dude. And I'm like, gee, I would have liked that 10 years ago. <laughs> right. But now I'm just like, yeah, he's great. And yeah. he'll be great for the next person he's with. <laughs> That's just it. You have to just be ready to and go for the next person. Yep. You're like, cool. And I'll be better for the next person. <laughs> and too. I'll be better too. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, I think that was all my notes here. Cool. Um, you guys are the best at leaving reviews and talking to the Facebook group and doing all the things. But just as a reminder, if you happen to be listening to an episode, you, you are down. I mean, our downloads are up, and you guys are amazing. Thank you for doing that uh, and downloading and passing them on to friends and listening and all that kind of stuff. If you are listening and you love this episode or any episode that you're listening to, it would be awesome and amazing for us if you could screenshot it and put it up on social media and tag us um, at the Best Life Podcast podcast on Instagram. We always retag, we always re gram share, re- not retweet, regram, regram. Yeah. We always repost. How about that? Yeah. We always repost and are just so appreciative that you guys are sharing with your friends and family. And we know that you guys are listening. And if you did that for us, that would be incredible. Yeah. We appreciate you. We love it. All right. We'll see you on the next okay, episode. Bye guys. Bye.